welcome to Physician Spotlights. My name is Dr. Carolyn Newberry, and I'll be serving as your host today. I'm here with Dr. Aja Jain, who serves as the Section Chief for Pediatric Nutrition, a Professor of Pediatrics, Pharmacology, and Physiology, and the Associate Division Chief of Pediatric Gastroenterology at St. Louis University. I'm very excited to speak with him today about his experience in nutrition during this Physician Spotlight. Um, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I wanted to first start out by just asking if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so I have been serving as the section chief for pediatric nutrition uh, for some time, and I have been the, working in the field of nutrition for almost more than two decades. Um, so, so this is, uh, you know, very keen to my heart. Um, specifically, uh, I have been uh, looking from a clinical perspective, uh, the various uh, uh, nutritional problems uh, that, that that children face, which you know I can detail more, uh, very heartbreaking uh, and very fulfilling uh, if you can help uh, some of those patients. Uh, and from a research perspective, we are trying to look at uh, novel strategies uh, to help uh, uh, mitigate uh, uh, injury and side effects of, um, in short bowel syndrome that a lot of uh, babies as well as uh, uh, patients uh, from all ages uh, suffer as they go on parental nutrition for prolonged periods of time. Right. And it's always so interesting to talk to people that have been in the field um, for such a, a long period of time. And, and I love to get back to, you know, when you really thought nutrition was going to be, become a part of your career, because it helps a lot of us more junior faculty understand, you know, how this process begins. Helen, I think it goes back when I was in med school, um, you know, we were rotating through the, the pediatric ICU and you would see these small babies, you know, really hapless you know, babies who had uh, gastroschisis, a condition, as you know, where the GI tract uh, the, the, is not developed and, the, the, and a lot of that is exposed to the surroundings. Um, and those babies, and there were a lot of kids with a condition called necrotizing enterocolitis. So these babies uh, would not be able to eat by mouth and they would go on TPM. Um, and a lot of them will undergo bowel resection, which is so disheartening. Uh, and uh, in some ways, the parental nutrition was providing support for them to live. But we also knew that a lot of these babies had the liver injury progress as they stayed on parental nutrition. And I would then uh, follow them up uh, as a medical student, eager and run around and see where these patients are going. And a lot of them would then come up in uh, liver transplant clinics. Um, and while transplant, you know, is a sort of a very humbling process where you're sort of giving life out of a tragedy, uh, uh, you know, so livers are coming from somewhere, these patients suffered a lot. And I, at that time, th thought that I really wanted to uh, help this group of patients and help how we can improve this nutritional therapy, um, you know, for the betterment of the entire population. Right. So, I mean, it sounds like your interest, of course, dates, dates back to the time in your medical training. Um, I'd love to hear about how that interest evolved over time and, and what your first position looks like in the nutrition space. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, um, obviously, I was you know, this was sort of very near and dear to me during med school. And uh, I um, decided partly at that time to do a pediatric residency. And I thought I will, uh, you know, like to follow these patients. And then uh, as I was doing my residency, you get more exposed to uh, cholestatic liver disease, 
the nutritional deficiencies that these babies get, uh, the fatty, uh, you know, acid, uh, the fat malabsorption, uh, and a whole host of other problems. Um, and that led me to do a pediatric gastroenterology and hepatology and nutrition. It's a combined fellowship uh, at, at Texas Children's. Um, and um, you know, we it's a it's a very large program. It's a it's it's a very large transplant center. So we uh, also had a lot of such patients who would have both bowel and a liver transplant and would clinically care for them, uh, which was very satisfying. But you know, there was a lot of morbidity um, and, and these patients went through uh, a lot of suffering. And that's the time when I said, I wanted to find ways how we can help these babies. And I looked around and I researched and I found some labs which were looking at uh, uh, injury prevention in short bowel syndrome. And that's when I um, found a mentor who uh, also agreed to uh, mentee me uh, in this role. And I think that relationship has evolved uh, over the past uh, two decades. I still uh, am I'm thankful to them, uh, Dr. Byrne and uh, David Moore. Uh, and uh, they have really helped me build my career. And um, you know, we have now uh, a nice uh, NIH-funded lab, and we look at uh, gut-to-systemic signaling uh, in a very novel uh, short bowel model, and we are looking at uh, injury prevention strategies, both uh, through luminal signaling um, as well as some intravenous therapeutics. Um, that's great, and I think it really ties nicely into a lot of the questions that we end up asking our, our physician leaders, and that is, you know, the importance of mentorship and sort of if there are people that you've identified during your career that, that serve as mentors. So I'd love to hear more about that relationship and how um, important that has been for shaping your career. I think mentorship is key for any junior oh. faculty as they develop their uh, research uh, or even clinical career. I think you know we have to uh, have people who have gone through the process who are willing to share the experiences. And you know what I've also seen a good mentor, uh, you know, really guides you the way to do things and not necessarily you know is uh, you know uh, on your shoulder saying hey do this do that. So they really enable you to do do things. Um, I had some fantastic mentors, uh, Dr. Uh, Byrne uh, at the Baylor College of Medicine, David Moore, um, as well as a whole bunch of people at the Children's Nutrition Research Center there. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it was key because I would go to them, you know, for research questions, uh, understand research methodologies understand what is possible, understand the limitations, which is very important, um, and understand one very key factor, uh, that research is brutal. Um, most of the things will not work um, and don't give up. I mean, that's, that's what research is all about because if you knew the answer, then why do research? But a lot of things that you think will work will not work, uh, but the key is uh, be persistent, uh, never give up, um, and uh, you know, keep on writing, keep on uh, trying to um, you find answers, keep on questioning. Um, and it's a fun thing because <clears throat> as scientists, uh, you know, our, our goal is to uh, question and then find answers. Uh, and this is sort of the best medium to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's resonated with a lot of the, the people that we've spoken with during these interviews. Um, I'd also like to hear more what you think, you know, the biggest limitation to physicians who are interested in nutrition is and, and maybe some ideas of how we can start overcoming these, these problems. 
So I think one of the biggest problems is, um, <clears throat> I think over the last decade, the healthcare model has changed substantially. There's for physicians, there is a lot of uh, emphasis on, you know, the term RVUs, uh, generate more RVUs and, uh, uh, you know, pair mix and collections. And uh, what ends up happening is that physicians are sort of comfortable doing clinical practice um, and they don't have the dedicated time to do research. Um, so I find a lot of people who say, hey, I have this phenomenal question, but I don't know how to answer that because I don't have the time to do it. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest limitations because I still talk to a lot of fellows and med students and junior faculty um, and even mid-level faculty who have ideas, but they don't have the time to be able to do that. So I think if we can generate you know, uh, uh, from institutions uh, as a priority that research is important for any academic center. I mean, that's the reason why, uh, you know, new drugs are developed. That's the way new techniques are developed. That's the way new surgeries are developed. We need to be sure that we are uh, protecting our people, uh, the junior faculty, through seed grants, through um, support funds to be able to do research and providing them with mentorship and the tools uh, to be able to do that. And I think once we are able to do that, I think this will change. But I think uh, that's one of the biggest limitations at this moment I foresee uh, ongoing, which is going to prevent uh, you know, uh, a whole bunch of people who are nevertheless very interested in doing nutrition research, but are unable to do so. Right. And I definitely, that resonates with me um, as a junior faculty member and sort of finding that time to, to answer those questions and, and also to be involved in, in nutrition, even clinical work, because a lot of times it doesn't um, pay the RVUs the same way that, you know, the procedures that we perform as, I'm a gastroenterologist as well, and adults, and, you know, we, we definitely feel that limitation. Um, you know, I'd also love to hear a little more about how Aspen has shaped your career and how you've utilized the organization uh, to help with you know, mentorship, research opportunities, et cetera? Well, I owe a lot to Aspen. In fact, um, when I was a struggling young researcher, um, I applied for a lot of grants and uh, Aspen, before I got uh, my uh, NIH grants or, or almost any grant, I think Aspen was my first uh, extramural funding that I got through the Rhodes Foundation. So I am, uh, uh, with all my heart, uh, thankful to Aspen because I think Aspen really built my research niche. Uh, as you know, uh, in academic centers, you know, uh, the, the real uh, challenge is uh, converting the intramural seed grants into extramural funding. So uh, I owe a lot to Aspen. Uh, I think uh, they were the, the, the first one I got the seed funding through the Rhodes Foundation and that you know, really snowballed into um, you know, more foundation grants, uh, uh, support through NIH. Uh, we now have a, a robust uh, R01 funded, NIH R01 funded lab, and uh, I, I, I cannot thank uh, Aspen. Um, Aspen has also helped me grow from a clinical perspective. I think it has a lot of resources uh, to help people uh, understand the nutritional needs of the community. The Malnutrition Awareness Week is, is, is fantastic. Some of these podcasts that you guys do, uh, I have been listening throughout my career. Uh, and I think uh, it helps you evolve uh, uh, as you develop in your nutrition career. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's also great to hear for the organization. Um, so I think we're wrapping up soon the interview. And thank you so much for spending this time with us. Um, I didn't know if there was anything else you wanted to add to the conversation or anything else you'd want to tell like listeners of this uh, interview. The one thing which I would like to say is that 
for for junior people, and I'm not specifically saying for physicians. I know, uh, you know, it's uh, Aspen is a it's a multidisciplinary organization. When you look at, uh, you know, dietitians and um, pharmacists and nurses and surgeons and physicians, uh, for all of them, uh, I had I have one message for the junior faculty. Uh, you know, if you have an idea, do not uh, let go of it because um, uh, sometimes ideas, especially at a junior level, you may think, hey, maybe I'm too young and maybe this is not such a good idea. Uh, you may be surprised. Uh, some of the best ideas actually come from the junior people, not, uh, not people who have been doing this like me for two decades, because we've already worked on our ideas. We've already developed those, but the, the, the new spark uh, comes from the new blood. Um, so never give up that idea that you get. Um, and then you know, if you are persistent, uh, you will find a way to, to get your stuff done. Uh, I, can, I can bet on that. I started as a 100% clinician. Uh, it's an odd trajectory, but I started as a 100% clinician, uh, you know, uh, before I got all my, any of the grants uh, to, to support the work. Um, but what I learned from my mentors was never give up, uh, keep on doing. Uh, if you have an idea and you're passionate about it, things will open up. So my message is, um, if you if you have uh, a burning desire to do something, and that actually holds for anything, whether that's uh, a research or clinical medicine, or you know you want to be a, a phenomenal a nutritional clinician, if you want to do it, uh, have the fire in belly, things will happen. That's, I think, a very nice thing to end on. So thank you so much for joining us today. And this was sure. another uh, monthly physician spotlight interview. And we look forward to seeing you next month. Thank you. Likewise, thank you very much for having me here.